Hey guys, how's it going? This is Dan in the Editing Bay. I wanted to take a second to celebrate the fact that Wheel of Randy has turned two years old. Hey, I couldn't have done it without you guys. Thanks for everyone who's listened, who's commented, who's served as guests. Uh, y'all are all great. When I started this show two years ago, one of the first people that I wanted to bring on was Jordana Elizabeth. And you're going to see why. This is a special one, guys. Hope you enjoy it. All right, let's do this. Take it away, Brian Just. Hey, it's Will Brandy. I don't have my microphone. I've only got five seconds. All right, let's start the show. Folks, we have Jordana Elizabeth here today. Jordana is one of my favorite music journalists and someone I've wanted to have on the show for a long time. And finally, the circumstances came out just right. So thank you for coming, Jordana. Yay, thank you for having me. We initially, uh, we initially connected uh, because of uh, your relationship with the song that you're bringing today. Let's, let's just get right into that. Uh, we're going to talk about Baltimore. Um, and uh, in, in particular, you have a, a Baltimore cover that, that you have, uh, that you've done quite a bit of research on and, and like to, to, to hear from you about that. Yeah, I mean, um, it was so exciting to discover uh, Nina's 1978 rendition of uh, Randy Newman's Baltimore, um, which was obviously recorded by Randy Newman in 1977 um, for his album Little Criminals. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's there's some there was definitely some controversy when Randy kind of came out about the song. Baltimoreans were not too happy about it. Um, <laughs> Um, but it, it didn't uh, keep uh, from inspiration. And, um, you know, uh, at one point, um, Creed Taylor, um, a music producer uh, and founder of CTI label, saw Nina Simone perform live um, and, you know, brought her into the studio to do this song, Baltimore, um, this rendition, this cover of Baltimore. And it was it was Taylor's idea to uh, reggae-fy it. Um, you know, there's 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 uh, rumblings and and quotes uh, of Nina saying that you know it wasn't really her style, um, and and you know the album was was pretty um, strict and rigid in regards to creative control, and she mm. didn't feel she had much, but. You know, Baltimore is also a full album by Nina. It's not just the track, um, and it's it's one of her stronger records. I think so too. Um, I'm trying to remember the other Randy cover that she did was I think it's going to rain today. Was that off that same album, or was that something earlier? Do you know offhand? Uh, I think it's going to rain today. I am not exactly sure on um, on that. Uh, on that piece, um, I do Let know me look that, that up real quick. Yeah, um, but I do know that you know, even though she wasn't happy about the the 
the arrangements of the song, she did um, perform it again uh, for her live album, her 1987 live album, Let It Be Me. Okay. Um, so, you know, she kept with it. And there's some, some, some YouTubes, at least one of her um, performing a sparse um, rendition of the song. Um, I think just her and a drummer or, or a small band, oh. um, you know. Yeah, so so she she played around with it live, um, and I think that was the original appeal um, of Creed, and and you know I guess um, he was responsible, or at least uh, I wouldn't say responsible, but famous, or uh, was notable for bringing the bossa nova sound to the United States. Mm. So you know, um, uh, reggae and bossa nova are very different sounds, but you know. Um, I guess he had a, a vision of a, of a lot of different kind of international um, styles. And, you know, funny enough, and I wanna definitely um, focus on Nina, um, but funny enough, a reggae band, um, the, the Tamlins uh, covered it the next year in 1979. So the song came out in 77 uh, by Randy, 78 by Nina Simone and then 79. Uh, by the Tamlin, so that that reggae sound um, inspired um, an actual uh, reggae band. Mm. Um, you know that 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 reggae approach to the song it was, uh, you know that th that was definitely a, a bold decision. Mm. Uh, you know the, the original version you know has that that kind of steady repetitive uh, left hand going throughout. That's right. uh, really uh, really relentless. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I, I really, really love Nina's version of this. Yeah, just, the reggae. Hmm? I just looked it up. Uh, her version of I Think It's Going to Rain Today was in 69, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. uh, when everybody was doing a version of I Think It's Going to Rain Today. It was, sure, sure. So. I mean, Randy Newman, obviously, is, is one of the world's most prominent songwriters, and so many people um, were inspired um, by his music. And, and you know, um, but it's interesting because Randy had admitted that, you know, before writing the song, he had never been to Baltimore and he had just read um, a National Geographic uh, article on it. And I, I've actually heard of this article. I was like at a party 15 years ago or something. And, and somebody had mentioned that there was a big story in National Geographic about the, the Baltimore accent and how it was like this kind of like socio-geographical uh, uh, linguistic phenomenon you uh -huh. know um i'm from baltimore i'm not i'm not touting my accent and i i probably won't um but when i get cranky oh yeah <laughs> it, <laughs> it comes out you know you know when a native baltimorean is is angry or or passionate about something we're excited because their accent will just like you know <laughs> like new york you know yeah uh yeah, that National Geographic article, from what I've heard, I haven't read it. Mm -hmm. From what I've heard, it's a very flattering article. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I'm wondering how he took that article and turned it into this uh, gloomy, uh, the city is dying kind of, kind of, of, of dirge, uh, yeah. as, especially, you know, like you said, as someone who'd never been there. Um, yeah, well, the locals um, were angry. Um, but, you know, we have to remember that this is 1977. This is um, uh, less than 10 years following uh, uh, 
Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination um, and the devastation that that many Black cities went through. But you know, there were incredible riots, um, you know, uh, following um, the passing of Dr. Martin Luther King, and and um, you know. Uh, the the deindustrialization of the city, um, uh, and and kind of uh, and kind of the issues that that um, topics like redlining and and Jim Crow, you know, people you know people don't who weren't there don't really remember, you know, what Black Americans were going through in 1977. Um, there was just there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of uh, de-investment. De um, if there was ever any true investment in, in Baltimore City, it's an amazing black city that has um, a lot of resilience um, and the people are particularly resilient and, and, and survivors. So, you know, I, I'm not gonna say there's no validity, um, but yes, it was, the song is dramatic and it's bleak and it's dark. And, and I, I don't understand why he would say never gonna come back here till the day I die when he had never been there, um, <laughs> you know, but, and this is not a, a, a apologetic or anything, but, you know, songwriters, you know, you know, can, can exaggerate a story for, for, um, for fodder, but no, it wasn't fair. The lyrics were not fair at all. Yeah. Um, when, when he, when he ended up, playing Baltimore, I, th I think a, a year or so later, Miss uh, mm -hmm. Baltimore came on stage and delivered a pile of letters. And apparently half of them were favorable and half of them were unfavorable, mm. uh, which he was very proud of. Uh, he, <laughs> he, he felt that at that point he had both touched a nerve and uh, get, given a voice to some people who, who, who felt that, uh, that, that, that they had their frustrations with the city. Um, yeah, but you know the 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 entitlement, you know, of a of a wealthy, you know, white singer songwriter, you know, is is just a little infuriating. Which is why Nina came along, who was quite powerful and thoughtful and adept and passionate um, and angry, you know, about what was going on in the civil rights era um, right. and obviously post you know, um, up until her passing, you know, her vocalization, um, you know, made the song, um, if not more valid, more relatable. You know, if Nina is singing it, she's not tearing down the city. She's saddened by what's happening. And she's, she's giving a, a, you a view of, of what's going on, um, you know, uh, more in a, um, immersive type of way than 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 a songwriter who's very distant, you know. And you can hear the distance in the music, in the composition, in Randy's sparse, you know, kind of um, repetitive uh, piano playing. Um, Black people can't dance to that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I have always uh, I've always pictured the the character here as as being as being white. Um, Mainly because he talks about how he's packing everything up uh, mm -hmm. and moving to the mountains. Mm -hmm. So all I can picture is going to you know West Virginia. <laughs> mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I've got bad news for you. If you're moving to West Virginia in 77, things aren't going to get much better anytime soon. Right. Uh, but but I, I, 
I, I've always pictured that because there there is that that distance that you talked about, and also uh, the the privilege of moving, having the mm-hmm. means you know, to 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 pack up and, and move. I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize. You hear that a lot. Well, why don't you just move? Yeah, <laughs> no, and it when, when work you, that way. And and when you hear you know Nina say you know, I'm going to take my sister Sandy and my little brother Ray, you see it as her being more of a protective, you know, um, you know, uh, a black woman and, and, and matriarch and sister, mm. you know, um, then like, I'm just going to like, get my family out of here. Um, because of all this like blackness and desolation. It's just, it's just such a different, the words just have such different meaning and, you know, more, uh, compassion you know um uh when nina does it but um you know uh the song was the song kind of and to to move forward a little bit the song had a resurgence in 2015 with the baltimore uprising um uh following the 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 murder of uh freddie gray oh really okay yes um that same year um and again want to keep it to nina but that same year uh uh, Jasmine Sullivan, um, a, a soul kind of blues singer, a young woman, um, covered it uh, in the same year, 2015. Um, so, you know, it, if you do your research, there's a little bit of bubbling in the press. There's very little um, information about the song, but there's a little bit of bubbling in the press. Um, and NPR, I believe, asked people you know, what song is, is most relevant to you right now at, um, on a piece uh, published in uh, May 1st, 2015 um, on a radio broadcast. Uh, and people said, you know, Baltimore, but it wasn't Randy's version. Mm. It was Nina's version, uh, particularly in regards to what resonated more with the Black people of Baltimore going through Freddie Gray. Um, they connected with that song, yeah. uh, that version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When when were you first exposed to the song? How how old were you, and and how did you respond? Was there a, a was there that, that civic pride? Was was there? Uh, how what was your reaction to it? Well, I've always been a music music nerd, probably since I was like eleven years old, and um, as as the the internet, I'm I'm young, I'm thirty six, but you know still. Um, the internet was still just just coming about um, in regards to, to to in everybody's homes. But as time went on, um, it was really just kind of excavating, kind of digital crate digging. Maybe I was listening to music and and found it on YouTube. I can't um, remember uh, exactly why. Or um, I remember being at a friend's house is a vague memory. Um, and seeing the CD or the vinyl in the house and, and having it being played, I, I can't remember if that was my first discovery, um, but it, it I was probably about 15, 16. Um, and then uh, in my mid twenties, uh, I am a musician. I, I toured as a, a folk soul musician for about 10, 12 years. Um, and I covered the song myself. Um, uh, and was really inspired by it. Um, but yeah, I mean, having Nina Simone shout out Baltimore, Baltimore does not get a lot of um, recognition, whether it be positive or negative. You know, this is pre right. the wire. Yeah. This is, you know, <laughs> we can get into that later. 
right you know this is this is pre all that um so it you know it was just exciting to see that but yeah the lyrics I, I remember playing it for a friend and they're like I I, I don't really like this. this is in my city you know like yeah. you know he, he got a little upset um uh, about the lyrics and you know it it, it is uh disconcerting but you know when you put when you put your voice and your passion into it you can you can mold a song um to reflect um you know your emotion and your experience and as a baltimore native i'm not really um offended by it i can't stay away from baltimore personally um i've lived all over and end up coming home so that's i guess that's why I, it doesn't like upset me so much because I know it's not my experience and I can look at it as a socio-political piece. I can look at it um, as a historical piece um, and, and, you know, and, and through different lenses, you know? All right. There are two lines on this that, that always get me. First of all, the, we begin with that such a powerful metaphor with that seagull, uh, mm. just, just this, this compelling visual r right off the bat. I've, I've heard people who, who, who've only heard it once or twice uh, call it the seagull song because mm. that, that image of, of, of this, this bird that is close to death, uh, mm. uh, that is uh, close to the ocean but can't find it. And at the same time, it's surrounded by, um, I guess, trappings of wealth, being on a marble stair in particular is, 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 is I, I think that yeah. was a really well-written line there. Well, let me clarify that for you. Um, uh, first of all, you know, again, being a Baltimore native, I can't remember the seagulls looking that beat up. I mean, when, they, <laughs> you know, around, around the Harbor, you know, they're, they seem a little, a little roughed up, like deep in the city. Um, but usually, um, they're actually really healthy and 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 flying around when the skies are blue. Um, so again, this is all kind of ornamentation. And and from for Baltimore Navy, you can tell he's never been there. Now in the 70s, when the city was 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 heavy and and going through a lot of uh, dilapidation, I can't imagine much more than now. But going through a lot of dilapidation, sure, maybe there were you know some some raggedy looking seagulls, but no, they they've got the Atlantic and and they've they've got um, the Chesapeake Bay. So, I I can't really consider that super accurate from my experience. And also, marble stairs, believe it or not, do not reflect wealth. Um, okay. They black when black people migrated into the city and and started getting um, buying their own homes and row homes and renting their own row homes what they would do is scrub their marble steps every sunday black women my wow. grandmother did it my aunt did it uh, for for the respect for the pride but it did it did not um it did not necessarily like like wealthy people don't really clean you yeah. know yeah. <laughs> but um but yes black people um uh, two generations ago, three generations ago, would go out every Sunday and, and scrub scrub their marble stairs. That is fascinating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I love it when, when when guests get me to look at something from a completely different angle. <laughs> wow. Uh, 
and you know, I I I, I agree. He, he's not coming from a, a place of experience here, but the, I, I I love that line. Whether it's fair or not, uh, mm-hmm. the city's dying, and we don't know why. Mm. Um, and you know, my professional background. I'm I'm a, a civil engineer, uh, mm-hmm. so I'm building in cities, and I, I'm a firm believer in the city and the power of, of, you know, urban density. And, and, Mm. you know, just uh, one of my favorite books is called cities are good for you. And and Mm. just how, how the, the modern metropolis, you know, from a public health standpoint and from, from a quality of life standpoint, you know, there's nothing better than a a city. And so for, for a city to fail uh, is is always fascinating. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've been to Baltimore, you know, two or three times mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the, the the one experience in, in particular my uh, my wife was a Methodist minister uh, mm-hmm. she's since retired and you know Baltimore's the birthplace of, of American Methodism and so we mm-hmm. went to uh, what's called the mother church uh, and it was tiny and it was uh, there were probably 20 people in attendance that day mm-hmm. um, and they they had a, a very they had a very bleak view uh, about their city. Al- although most of the people there were, were were you know what growing up we would call old money, it was mm-hmm. clearly the old established Baltimore kind of lamenting what happened to their city. Hey, this is Dan in the editing bay, and I feel like I painted these twenty people in this church in a pretty negative light. They are doing a lot of good work for the community. Those 20 people are feeding a thousand people every week. So I kind of put my foot in my mouth there. All right, back to the show. It's make me a little yeah. uncomfortable, guys. Um, but 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 the idea of, you know, I, I look at, you know, Washington is just exploding. And I and I see Baltimore just right there and not not seeing the not seeing the same same growth and you know, I, I don't know why. As an urban planner, I don't I don't understand why what makes one city thrive and one city uh, it, yeah. stagnates. Well, not, really very well. not not knowing why, and, and I'm not trying to call you out as more Randy a little bit, but like not knowing why, <laughs> not knowing why is a privilege, you know. Yeah. You know, not knowing why it's so funny, like. I, I just have to be super real. Like white people created Jim Crow. White people created redlining. Mm-hmm. White people were lynching black people and doing awful, awful, awful things and putting their entrails in jars as reward, as a, uh, as as uh, as trophies. And yet, white people are still like, we don't know what happened. Yeah. Like how how do we disconnect ourselves so far from the atrocities and i'm not being you know um i'm not i'm not uh maximizing this the atrocities done yeah to black people slaves and just you know to this to freddie gray and yet white people are still like what's going on i have no idea what's going on or were mass abuses de-investment into uh from black um cities um the sabotage 
of, of successful, you know, um, Baltimore's Black Arts District, um, which has been renamed and reclaimed, where Billie Holiday and Keb Calloway and the Cotton Club and all of that. So if you go now, it's it's in bad shape. Um, and this is because um, the powers that be, if they were not um, inherently racist and trying to abuse Black people, our, our politicians to this day are pocketing money and using their positions um, to, to create wealth for themselves, black or white. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean this with all due respect. I'm not trying to have people come and call me out. Like Jordana said, how could you? I'm, no, no, no. You know, I, I respect you know, my city and, and its leaders, but you know, um, white supremacy, that's why. Yeah. yeah why yeah, don't, yeah. yeah, and why don't people want Baltimore to thrive. Why us? Um, I mean, Maryland was a staunch Confederate city. It was it was a staunch, excuse me, a staunch Confederate state. It's, it's very simple to me, you know. Mm. That's that, to me. So much of that comes comes down to to education, or or in many cases, miseducation. Uh, and I, I've I've talked at length about this. My, my regular listeners are going to skip because I keep talking about this. Uh, but uh, you know, I I went back uh, through interlibrary loan a couple of years ago and got my fourth grade Alabama history textbook, mm. and could not believe my eyes at what I was taught mm. and what everyone around me was taught. Mm-hmm. Um, both in terms of you know outright lies and and, and and sympathy to confederacy and so forth but also what was omitted um mm. that that there was i that that um the cherokee were mentioned very very briefly and very very condescendingly mm. and uh i think um i think the tuskegee institute got a page near the end uh, mm-hmm. And and everything else w- was very much you know the white power structure and uh, the benevolent uh, overseer. Uh, and those and- textbooks were made for white children. You know, black children were not allowed to have textbooks, um, particularly you know those textbooks in in their schools. Mm-hmm. So you know, um, yeah. I mean, it it reminds me. I was just talking about this today, and again, you know, um, this this isn't disrespect, and I'm not I, I'm not one to to criticize human beings. I don't know, but Prince uh, Prince William came out recently and was saying that you know war in Europe is alien. I um, I, I I I thought that was parody at first when I saw right. that. Right. Yeah. And how? And I was thinking like this. This young man is in line to be king. Like, how could how could the royal family not prepare him for reality and for him to not even know about World War One and World War Two and a colonization? You know what I mean? And 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 what England truly did and does less than a hundred years ago. How how do we? So when I when I say I don't know why, I don't know why how it works, how white education works, and how um the the uh the process of 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 uh of blinding you know white children and yes uh textbooks and everything, but you know, I mean 
Prince William's been all over the planet. Like, yeah. it's just, so those are the things as a, as a black person and as a Baltimorean and everything, like, I don't know how white people don't know. I, 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 th I think a lot of that comes from, there was, there, I, and I hesitate to use the word, the past tense here, but there, there was a, a, a movement and an understanding that the purpose of history was to instill patriotism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That at some point your country was going to ask you to do something difficult and you had to be mentally you know, prepared to defend your country. Um, mm. And we, we see that a lot uh, if you look in uh, the early 1900s, if you look at uh, the textbooks of, uh, for example, Japanese school children, uh, mm. it, it's what we as an outsider see, well, this is clearly indoctrination. You're clearly preparing uh, this next generation to you know, blindly fight for country and emperor, but we don't see it within, we, it's harder for us to look inside it, uh, and, and see what is, what is indoctrination. Um, yeah. And, you know, really until, in, until I picked up a copy of Zen what, 15 years ago, you know, that was really all I knew uh, of, of history and of history education. I, there was kind of the, this aspect of, yeah, we need to learn from our mistakes, but people weren't exactly going around actively teaching us our mistakes. Sure, sure, sure. You know, I mean, in order, and, and you know, Nina Simone fought oppression and, you know, she upset, you know, people and white people and the powers that be so much that she, you know, ended up going to Paris and, 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 you know, getting away um, um, from the from the toxic relationship she had as a um, as an outspoken civil rights um, uh, person um, with with you know the 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 system uh, and the people that that she was fighting. You know, um, uh, at some point it becomes overwhelming, and you know um, there isn't a lot of documentation of of why Nina um, chose this song. Um, but when you listen to her stuff like Mississippi Goddamn and, mm -hmm. and things like that, you know, um, you know, she's calling out the issues. And that's that's why I say, you know, her version is just from a totally different perspective because she's calling out the issues to show the world this is a problem, you know, um, and, and this is what's going on. Um, you know, uh, uh, black civil rights leaders and, and and black musicians and artists were almost, you know, cultural journalists. You know, and they they talk about hip hop how how hip hop was storytellers, but these were like, you know, um, these were sociologists telling you what's going on in their neighborhoods. To, you know, to 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 suburban white people, suburban black kids. You know, who didn't um, have the experience. Like, here's what's going on in Compton right now. Yeah, you know, and I think Nina was the early seed, you know, and and thanks to to Randy Newman, of course, but Nina was the early seed of of that that kind of that hip hop storytelling. They call it gangster rap. They call it all of this stuff. But you know, those young men, you know, were living in treachery, and you know, um, they gave us they gave us a view into their world. And I think you know, Nina just did a better job of of delivering um that message and even just her as a person we you know black people trust her 
I'm not saying black people don't trust Randy Newman, um, but I, you know, like, he, he hasn't given them much reason to over the years. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> um, but you know, black people trust Nina, you know, and and yeah. and we know that she wouldn't be singing something to harm us, you know. Let's let's talk about Mississippi Goddamn for a, a second because sure. that was that was my first exposure to her, um, mm-hmm. and you know, it, someone who grew up in Alabama, uh, I, 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 you know, you know, grew up in a, a very segregated city in in Alabama, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. not in terms of just of, of neighborhoods or, or personal interactions, but also this this cultural segregation that mm-hmm. while while I was listening to you know. The so-called classic rock station in in Huntsville. Uh, I never heard any Stevie Wonder. Never heard uh, any, uh, you know, Chuck Berry. Uh, the the mm-hmm. the classic rock format was very much a white uh, mm-hmm. artist format, um, and it wasn't. I, I stumbled on Mississippi Goddamn because I was in a a, a big Pete Seeger phase fifteen years mm-hmm. ago. And, and found a, a, a civil rights anthology that had some Pete on it. So I picked it up and, and had it on. And I, it, it, it's just such an amazing song because it, it's so rare that we see, uh, that we see a, a, a Black artist who's able to express that frustration mm-hmm. that she does here. And you know, it, it's, it's humorous in a way. There's lots of back and forth with the audience. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, she is so upset, mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. I compare that to you know I compare that to say you know what's going on, uh, mm-hmm. which which co- comes out of a similar frustration, but was was made in such a a palatable way. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I was watching that 1971 documentary where they talked about how how. Uh, people's parents found themselves whistling what's going on and mm-hmm. it, it just kind of sneaked into in into into the 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 the, the culture uh, but when when she released mississippi goddamn was was there criticism were people saying that she was acting too angry and and hurting the cause what what was the reaction when she put that out yeah of course and, and again you know she she ended up going to paris you know which a lot of um uh uh, outspoken black um, writers and and musicians and jazz musicians and you know when others um, needed to do as a safe haven. Um, I mean, still Turner, to this day, Tina Turner is and still in, to in this France, day. Right? Yeah, um, she's uh, she's in she isn't she in the Danish area? Um, oh. uh, but yeah, didn't, um, Tina's in Europe. Okay. Um, yeah. um, I mean, of course, people were angry of course um you know uh, with nina and and when you were talking and again this is not my word and this is not necessarily my perspective but i could see how some people would say it whether it be black or white or other cultures but the, the word pacifist comes to me in regards to you know um um kind of the civil rights movement i mean you had you had martin and you of course you had malcolm yeah you know, and, and you did have the Black Panthers, but this was this was pre-Black Panthers. Um, so so Nina's anger, um, and 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 before that, you know, a lot of a lot of our pain was was uh, filtered through uh, gospel music. 
um, and, and prayers for mercy and prayers for strength for us to get through um, mm-hmm. from the history of Black spirituals um, in enslaved times, um, you know, to gospel music, to soul and to blues. And then blues, you know, we kind of had this, oh, I'm so sad, life is not fair. Nina was just like, no. You know what I mean? Just straight up. And again, that's, it's so funny, like why I think of like NWA, like coming from Nina, you know what I mean? Like, again, I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, sticking up for NWA and their misogynistic, violent, you know, stuff, but, but just that, that outright, you know what, you know, no, this is what's happening, you know, um, uh, can, can, can be, you know, um, um, threatening and, and uncomfortable for, for a lot of people, you know, um, Nina was, you know, was, was an outlier. She was, uh, she was eccentric and people loved her, respect her genius, 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 but she was intense, you know? Yeah. It, it reminds me of, of that, that part from Langston Hughes, I, I will not need my freedom when I'm dead, that mm. there's a sense of urgency that mm. she, that she uh, has in this, especially when she 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 lambasts people for saying go slow. Um, yeah. So, what did you think about? What did you think when you when you heard it? Well, I or feel or I I felt a great relief because mm-hmm. even even from my place of of, of of you know enormous privilege, I was very frustrated growing up in the South uh, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, I, I got out right out of high school and I don't have any family there. I'm not really interested in, in, in looking back. And mm-hmm. so, uh, so just, just, just hearing people say, yeah, this isn't this, this paradise of magnolias that I was, was brought up to believe uh, is, mm-hmm. uh, w- was refreshing. Um, yeah. Nina's refreshing. She's who, you, who would we be? You know, how, I mean, how many of us, like how many lives has she changed? Like the, everybody remembers the first moment they heard Nina. Does anybody remember the first moment they heard Randy? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You know, um, uh, he had like a big resurgence with the to- the Toy Story um, uh, 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 music yeah. uh, soundtrack. Uh, you know, and, and that's, you know, kind of how kids and like my younger generation um, got introduced to him. But, you know, I don't think I found out that that Baltimore was written by Randy Newman until much later after I heard it. I think you know? his, his strength is, is, is certainly as a songwriter rather than a performer. And, yeah. uh, and a, a lot of artists have uh, been amazed at the diversity of artists that have have. have have chosen his songs that he uh, there, there's something in his songwriting skill that appeals to a lot of people yeah and um this song was baltimore was also um covered by a scottish musician billy mckenzie um and by david gray so oh, it, it had okay. an international um appeal plus a reggae version plus jasmine sullivan um these are these are the documented um covers um so, uh, but how it still resonates today for the Baltimore uprising. So, I mean, you got to, you got to think about like, I mean, Randy never explained like where that was coming from, you know, seeing a glowing article about um, in National Geographic 
um, but then telling this dark story. He rode through on a train. Maybe he was just riding through the industrial part of town and it looks super janky and that's just what he saw out his window. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. And you can't fault a songwriter. I mean, I've had, you know, like one thought or one image in my mind and surrounded an entire, you know, song by it. Um, so uh, privilege, was it right? Was it accurate? No, but it it created, um, I, I, you know, in my research, there, uh, there was something brought up called movement music, you know, and whether he knew what he was doing, you know, um, you know, he, with Nina taking it on, you know, it, cre it became a movement music and a political, you know, um, stand. And uh. so, you know, usually it's the other way around, like white people will, you know, will take from, will, you know, um, appropriate, you know, from white people. <laughs> So, you know, it's that same relationship with like Dylan and, and amazing, you know, black artists, you know, black women love some Dylan, yeah. you know, it, it is what, and Dylan love black women, you know, it is what it is, you know? Oh gosh, that is, I'm, I, I love when a guest break, breaks a song down for me and, mm -hmm. uh, and gets me to listen to it with new ears because, you know, th this guy's only put out 10 or 11 albums. If I'm listening to them <laughs> day in, day out. They can get stale, so I, I'm I'm really looking forward to listening to Baltimore again from a new perspective. Absolutely, I want to take a couple minutes uh, and talk about your book because oh, okay. this this looks really exciting. I've 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 told my library to get a copy right now, um, but um, this is what fifty black women. Um, tell tell me what it's called and tell me the the premise behind this. Uh, the book is called She Raised Her Voice, Exclamation Point, mm -hmm. 50 Black Women Who Sang Their Way Into Music History. Um, and, and Nina is in the book. Um, it's a, it's a, uh, an anthology um, of, of uh, brief profiles and, and beautiful, colorful, illustrated um, images of, of 50 Black women historical you know, figures who, who changed the game. And Nina was one of them. Um, and and expands from from different genres from punk to hip hop to classical to opera um, to soul jazz blues and folk um, and country. Um, so you know, this is my life's work. Like me talking about Nina Simone's Baltimore is just like you know a, just a part of my daily. <laughs> you know, um, I, I have I have yesterday I just sat down with a friend and we just listened to albums for seven hours and we went through Abby Lincoln um, and we went through Dee Dee Bridgewater and we went through you know Alice Coltrane um, and a lot of people um, Alice is, is not uh, in the book she's she's a composer um, but she she has a, a new album that has emerged uh, a rare album with her vocals on it um, anyway uh, yeah uh, I was I was sitting uh at my dining room table, co-working um, with some friends uh, six months into the pandemic, um, and I got a I got an email cold from a major publisher who said, you know, um, you know, we have this idea, we have a preliminary list. Will you do it? Um, uh, I chose the the title. I gave them about uh, five titles to choose from, and I uh, curated the list and 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 um, you know. Kind of created 
a, a diverse, a genre diverse um, catalog. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that. I was, I was surprised to see REF, pleasantly surprised to see REF. I was just listening to, to Typical Girls, the slits like yesterday. Oh my goodness. And funny enough, my friend was like, this sounds like the police. And I was like, yeah, they, they, you know, of course, uh -huh. you know? And so that, that's the interesting thing about this book. It, obviously it was not my intention or my center um, to, to show who these black women influence, but without the slits, you, you probably wouldn't have the, the police, you know, um, without Odetta, you know, Dylan wouldn't be playing an acoustic guitar oh, yeah. without, Sister Rosetta Tharp, oh. the Rolling Stones, you know, and without Tina Turner, you know, Mick Jagger wouldn't be dancing the way he does. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so it's just like you talked about kind of the erasure in history. And it's like it's the the history omits women that that white male rockers could not live without mm -hmm. and who were directly inspired by, you know. Um, and it's just, uh, it's I, just so interesting. I was, I was watching the, uh, the, um, Aretha gospel concert, uh, mm -hmm. and yeah, I know there's a troubled history between her and, and the, the people who made that. Uh, but uh, you know, we've got Mick Jagger just kind of sitting in the back row and just soaking mm -hmm. it all in. Soaking it all in. Yeah. They, they, they were they were watching and exploring and listening. Um, and, you know, I, you know, and more and more than the conversation about the British invasion, you know, what would it be and would, have, would it have happened um, uh, if black artists um, like, uh, like Sister Rosetta Tharp and others didn't, didn't go to Manchester um, and, and play. I know they're not from, I, I don't know if they're from Manchester or not, but uh, you know, um, if if black artists hadn't hadn't come and, and played a number of shows um, in England uh, right before, you know, where it, I'm hearing it really from from black women um, musicologists and music journalists, you know, really, um, and we've to be honest, like we've always known that that black music attributed to the British invasion. Um, but uh and you know and and so forth and and so on you know but yeah of course you know these young men and it, 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 I, i'm not saying they're sinister it's it's a free country to go to a show mm -hmm. you know particularly if you got to connect you know and are friends with aretha why why wouldn't you just be in awe of her but you know i don't i don't know the mindsets of 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 these men, but of course, you know, Jagger wrote uh, Brown Sugar, mm -hmm. which was originally called Black Pussy. So don't get me started. Don't yeah. get me started. I, that, that, that's why that's why someone like Clapton, it's just, it befuddles me. Mm -hmm. he, he knows. Mm -hmm. I, I, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't understand. I like what you said. I, I'm not going to to speak on people i don't know i should probably right, right. do that we don't want angry letters or like you know like cease and desist um <laughs> <laughs> well but. okay i want one more nina question um sure. that she began more as a, a pianist than a vocalist um and i was i was surprised to learn that 
because it seems like, uh, you know, with the exception maybe uh, Sister Rosetta, that you that you don't see a lot of female jazz instrumentalists out there. Um, I, I mean that that ties that, into the work I'm doing right now in gender gender and jazz has has been my main focus in my my writing lately. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Nina Simone was a child prodigy. She was a classically trained child prodigy. Mm. She started playing at nine years old, um, and it is in the book. Um, you know, the, the, the profiles are brief, but, um, yeah, I mean, she, she was taking lessons and just, um, uh, and I don't quote me on her relationship with Juilliard and all of these things, but that's, it's just so, it's just, I I wouldn't say that it's, it's insane that people don't know that Nina Simone was a classically trained child prodigy, but if you, if you hear her play, you know, she, she plays remnants of Bach, she plays remnants of Mozart and I just you know it's like it's like in our minds we're programmed when we see black skin the western music canon becomes so limited in our yes. minds yes yes you know what I mean but that woman could outplay anybody her fingers just just fly and it's like oh 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 Nina Simone is a um is a singer. Well, Randy Newman was a pianist, singer, songwriter, and we call him a great composer and songwriter. Why don't, Nina didn't write all of her songs, but why don't we call, and this is a part of the narrative that I've been breaking down into jazz and in general, many black women were songwriters, producers, arrangers, band leaders. Ella Fitzgerald led a band um, uh, uh, when she was young. And like we don't, and uh, Billie Holiday was a band leader. Like we, it's just it, it, it's just so how how the the leadership positions of Black women are silenced, um, and their instrumental prowess and 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 expertise are diminished. Even though we're watching them do it, even though we're watching Roberta Flack make you ball in tears, we see Black skin, we see a woman, and we don't connect the genius because genius is considered to to be attributed to white males it's very much this there's this expected role oh okay you can sing and and that's it Mm -hmm. um and i you're you're right we we don't we don't have that same uh, we we don't put those same limiting categories on other groups and i i don't understand uh, here's here i am again and i don't know why because i haven't spent more than five seconds thinking about it in my life can you imagine if nina would have scored a film oh my oh. god oh my god but they didn't give her opportunities because she was she was strong-willed and she you know um and she stood up for herself and and you know she didn't she didn't play the game you know the way the way others did and again i'm not going to call out any names of women who you know who were you know successful songwriters and and, and stuff like that and and mm-hmm. kind of made it more who were more mainstream but like you know like I, I I think of of Diana Ross who's in the book you know and and how she was able to kind of emerge and and score films and kind of and kind of do things like that you know what 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 are the the differences between these women a nothing you know yeah. they're all in the anthology together but you know we we have to we have to think about 
temperament and and the um and the stereotype of black women being mean and aggressive and and all of that and 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 you know not to get too deep but colorism you know nina was a dark-skinned woman yeah. we see these things in our we we just our minds you know we think black bad we think white good and the darker the skin you know the the more sinister yeah. and you know nina was just being herself and you know you get put into you get put into a box so you know i just it, a lot of my writing is is lately um my goal has been to create empathy and to 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 create an image that everybody if not can relate to can understand um but being a black woman um in america is a trip <laughs> it's, it's it's a real trip you know we we've, we've got it coming from both sides but we are also trusted um as mothers as leaders from the background of thought leaders as journalists um as editors again we're just kind of washed away um or 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 kept uh, kept silent under lock and key and she raised her voice i don't know why that came to my mind but i was just thinking you know what what did these women do yeah you know they raised their voices and they 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 stood up and um, became stars in in the face of segregation and and you know horrific conditions i found a a spotify playlist with the same title is that something that's connected to the book yes i i i put that together absolutely okay. how mm -hmm. did you pick how, how did you pick one song for some of these artists it seems like how, how do you pick one Ella song? I just—I I mean, it happened very quickly. I'm an intuitive person. I've been—I've been mining black women's music since I was a girl, so it, it happened really quickly. My—I I was a little shaky with Beyonce because I wanted to, to do um, "Who Runs the World," girls, mm -hmm. but she she says "mf" in there, and it's a children's book. So yeah. I, the only thing that like I I was choosy about was like, okay, this is this is for children, so let me think of lyrics. So I was a little bit with every with every woman's catalog. I was a little bit, you know, you can't put Mississippi goddamn. I mean, you could, you but could. you know, you don't want moms to to be like, what are you doing? So um, <laughs> that that's that was kind of one of the bases of what I what I chose is this is this kid kid friendly but um yeah it happened really quickly um i think i chose halo for for beyonce uh -huh. and um, it, it it was fun and yeah it, it happened really quickly and organically um it, it, it's a i think it comes to three hours and and, and some change and it's just uh, uh it, it's it's a fantastic introduction to it so I, I really really got a kick out of finding that playlist uh yeah Jordana, thank you so much for doing this. We're running out of time. How can people get hold of you? Are, are you on the socials or, or what's the best way for people to, to connect to your work? Yeah, um, on Twitter, I am at lovejordana, J-O-R-D-A-N-N-A-H, lovejordana. Um, and, you know, I, I would say, I, I hope this doesn't seem puffed up, but just like, Google search Jordana Elizabeth. There's just there's just a lot of articles and 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 information and and um, and stuff that that is not for you necessarily to to learn about me. I hope you do, but it's it's more of, of the work of of giving platforms and um, 
and and loving historical information about you know a, a plethora of of artists. Um, I write regularly for New York Amsterdam News, uh, the historical black paper um, in Harlem. Um, so uh, you can kind of follow my work. It's it's a lot of reporting and and stuff like that. It's, it's not my essays or anything, um, but that's that's um, where I'm very active. Um, and yeah, I mean, thank you, Dan, for this opportunity. I love nerding out and having these conversations and um, and 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 sharing because I just I feel like I'm walking around holding all this stuff you know, and, and I could just talk for, you know, for hours to anybody, you know, about music. And it's, it's, it's always fun. Well, this, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for doing this today. Absolutely. Well, there's another episode of Wheel of Randy for you. We are part of the Good Trash Media Network. Check out our sister shows, Good Trash Genrecast and The Praise Down. Special thanks to Brian Just for our theme music. Special thanks to Death Elf for our closing music. Special thanks to Brian Mays for our artwork. You can check him out on Facebook at Brian Mays Art. Special thanks to our guest today. This was a good one. I told you it would be, didn't I? All right, see you next time. Bye. Spin the wheel, spin the wheel, spin the wheel of Randy.